Okay. Hey, everyone. Thank you for coming on Sports Desk Series with yours truly. Today, we have Ayotunde. He's the head of founder of uh, Eagles Tracker, which is uh, an online platform that tracks the progress of every single uh, player that represents the Nigeria national soccer team, football team, um, and, and, and potential players, not just the players that represent, but also pretty much at any any player of uh, Nigerian origin that's excelling at the highest levels. So well, welcome to Sports Dev Series, Ayo. Thank you for joining us. Um, and then uh, today's episode is brought to you by Arewa Baobab, uh, Baobab fruit powder from Baobab trees in West Africa, uh, packed with vitamin C, antioxidants, calcium, magnesium, uh, potassium, arguably one of the most nutritious substances in the world. Uh, you could get your Baobab from arewabaobab.com. Okay. Ayo, how are you? How you doing? I'm good, Buma. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on with you talking Nigerian football today. It's always a wonderful topic for me. Uh, absolutely. And the timing is perfect because we're playing uh, AFCON qualifiers, right? We're playing yeah. the Republic on Saturday. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty. So most, I mean, I know about Eagle Striker because I follow you guys on Instagram. So, but uh, some people may not know about Eagle Striker. Could you kind of help educate people who you guys are, how you got started? And then and, and how you accomplish your work yeah um so ego striker is the home of nigerian footballers that's what i call it that's what we like to call ourselves and that's what our followers have started to call us um we follow monitor and market nigerian footballers um from around the world you know um in simpler terms we track the progress of nigerian footballers and we help keep the fans informed um we started in 2019 june 2019 that was when ego track was founded um it was really just born off of an idea of why is nobody helping us keep in touch with our nigerian footballers um we've always nigerian people i mean have always been a football loving people you know we've been very religious about it but it's like um when our footballers get to that level there's just been nobody really you know from the nff or otherwise that has been trying to keep these people in the minds and in the eyes of the nigerian um, audience you know for the most part i mean because of the nature of football or soccer depending on i mean you want to go to europe if you want to play at the highest level and that's what happens to most of our players you know so when they get there i mean we the reality is that we only have a handful of players that are in the top you know five leagues in the world i would say so most of the players are scattered around europe you know here and there and I looked at it that one of the magic things that you know, say England, for example, um, which is always the best example, um, PR, that PR is crazy, and you know, there's so much press, there's so much media around the Premier League, and you know, it has become this consensus best league in the world. That's why they can tell you that this 18-year-old kid is going to be the next best thing, and you know, everybody believes that. Oh yeah, it must be true. You know, if it can, yeah, if they are saying it, then it must be true. So yeah. why is nobody helping us? talk about a Nigerian players like this, you know, I'm not saying, oh, hype and lie about everybody, but at least if there's a young kid that is, that has some talent, you know, that is coming up, I mean, you can add some sugar to this thing a little bit, <laughs> I put the story out there, like, you know, like, we'll be excited about it. So yeah. that was how it was, Ugo Shraka was born, you know, it's just like, let's, you know, I'm someone that I have this mindset of, 
nobody likes people that complain you know um when you complain 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 at some point okay you do it you know you you might as well just do it you know somebody is going to have to do it at the end of the day so that's how i just took it upon myself okay i mean why is there nothing like this i mean and after complaining to myself for about a few weeks i was like okay you know what <laughs> i'll start this thing by myself and that's how we started and you know mm -hmm. so, um, thankfully we've been able to grow on social media to over 100k right now and you know work with a few footballers here and there so it's been good amazing yeah you guys do good work i follow your work very well and i'm always paying attention to all the different notifications you have so so essentially you started this yes right you you initially just said there's a void here i'm going to fill it i'm going to run with this and and go ahead and start tracking and, and move forward right yeah, yeah. Um, it was an idea that I had in my dorm room. Um, in I, as I said earlier, it started in June 2019. In April 2019, I was writing my final exams in university, and I, I was really just thinking about my future, about my life, about it. You know, that it was just really my brain was going off at that time. Mm -hmm. One night or one evening, I was on my bed in my dorm room, and just thinking. You know, it was maybe like the eleventh idea I had or something over the course of those weeks. And, you know, um, this was one of the first ideas that I ever had that when I thought about what it needs to, what it takes to actually implement this, I was like, well, to begin, all I need is social media, you know, and Facebook, Instagram, all that happens to be free to sign up. So it was something that as soon as I had the idea, I thought about it for about five minutes. I'm like, yeah, I'm onto something good here. So I just went ahead and I created the social media pages like instantly, literally. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool. How do you how do you decide which guys to follow? Mm. And again, you you primarily follow just the players, right? Just the guys, right? So we yeah. actually follow um, the ladies Super, Super Falcons as well. Yeah, yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, that, that was the interesting thing. So one of the things that actually helped um, us as well when we launched was um, in 2019 June. Um, that the FIFA Women's World Cup was was going on. I don't know if you remember in France. Yeah. So that was one of the things that um, really helped at the start. So when I had this idea, I was in my room. I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? You know. And in 2019, we had the Afcon men Afcon as well. You know. Yeah. So I was like, okay, how am I going to differentiate myself? How am I going to stand out from the million maybe media outlets or things that are out there? And I was like, okay, everyone is going to be talking about the Afcon, you know, all the Nigerian outlets plus the outlets that are not Nigerian. So I was like, you know what? Let me spend my time. Let me put a lot of my focus, you know, my energy in that time because it was just me into the women, you know, into the Super Falcons. So at the time, I remember I was just this random guy that from my room. I started reaching out to people. I reached out to about the entire Super Falcons team that was selected for the World Cup. About 10 of them agreed to do an interview which we had on our website ahead of the world cup when we launched you know everything i mean i reached out to the super falcons coach then thomas denaby who was the head coach then and he actually did an interview with me like randomly you know so that was one of the things that really helped from there um when this women's world cup was going on so i had already created content for about three weeks or four um weeks you know plus i mean the natural content that is coming from the games that are that are happening you know and all the events so that really just gave us a very big push because it started from people that were like oh wow okay there's actually somebody talking about the 
Super Falcons. You know, the player's point of view, I remember they were so happy, like, wow, you actually took the time to watch our games, you know, keep everybody updated, you know, keep, you know, us in the limelight. So the players really appreciated it as well. And that was what kind of just helped um, Ego Striker to just enter into this Nigerian football world and, you know, kind of just be accepted from the beginning, really. Amazing, amazing. And that's a shame, though. The fact that our uh, Nigerian female national team is not given the same level of attention, yeah. right? That they would uh, appreciate any kind of coverage. Not to say yours is any, but still, someone is covering them and they were so appreciative of it. Oh, and, and I, I have to say, <laughs> at that point, it was it was any, it was so so. Like, there was, um, <laughs> from, no, from, from their point of view, when I reached out to them, there was no guarantee to them that more than 10 people was going to see the interview. Because when I reached out to them, I mean, I reached out as Ego Striker, but I think even Ego Striker maybe had like 15 followers on social media then. <laughs> <laughs> so like, from their perspective, I would say like, they didn't really have anything to gain, you know? Mm -hmm. like yeah. that. For me, it was the it was me that was excited. Like, wow, okay, I get to talk to this player. I get to talk to that player. Yeah, yeah. I was really just appreciative that they were, you know, receptive to the whole thing. Really. Yeah, no, you got you've done, you've done a good job, man. I'm like I said, you know, I'm a fan of uh, Eagle Striker, yeah. and anytime something pops up, boom, I look at it to see. I'm like, oh, cool, you know. And then <clears throat> I always follow it. Now, for the players you follow, do you follow um, players kind of? born and developed in Nigeria or do you follow any player that has uh Nigerian heritage oh. but may never play for Nigeria or you know for instance do you follow just the likes of Indidi or do you follow the likes of Tammy Abraham or okay. you know or Tomori you see what I'm saying yeah I, yeah. I get the question <clears throat> so yeah. um this question is easy to answer and at the same time it's not really easy for me to answer i mean the easy answer is we follow anybody that is of nigerian descent but i'll be honest with you that's not that's not 100 percent true like for example i mean i don't care too much for Tammy. you know i don't care too much for if we tell you tomorrow you know um but then at the same time we like to give everybody as of nigerian descent a chance to be featured on our page you know um one thing that i always like to I always like to tell people is that if the player doesn't care to be featured on Eagles Tracker, then Eagles Tracker doesn't care too much to feature the player. And I'm not saying like, oh, everybody must like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying they should look at us like, oh, we're the biggest platform or anything like that. But what I just mean is, if this player isn't necessarily thinking of, oh, how are the Nigerian people perceiving me? Or oh, what do the Nigerian people think of me? Oh, how much Nigerian press am I getting? You know, if the person doesn't care about the Nigerian space, then why are we the ones that are bending our backs and you know going out of our way to put this person into the Nigerian space when he or she honestly doesn't care about all your opinions, you know, at least at, at this point. Um, I'll give a quick example. Um, Hussein Adarabioyo, for example, we've been we were covering him, you know, for the last few weeks here and there. And then he goes out and then he talks about, oh, hopefully my performances can get me into the Euro squad, you know, and then. You look at that kind of players like okay, so his mind is is on England, like it's yeah, yeah. He doesn't care about playing for Nigeria. Nigeria. So it's like, why are we the ones that are now stressing ourselves to give this guy some free PR to be covering his matches and doing everything? When frankly, he doesn't care, you know. So it's things like that, you know. Um, but then if along 
you know the line you know he comes turn does a 360 and all of a sudden he wants to care about nigeria again of course no problem you know he'll be back on a on our page you know and um for the young players that haven't necessarily decided you know maybe they're not yet maybe i still play on the 19s football um for the most part we like to follow those that are actively in first team football because if we start to go down to the youth system the reserve is then we'll be tracking like three four thousand players you know but Wait. then <clears throat> so yeah. go ahead go ahead go ahead no go ahead i'm just going to say it. but then you know even for for them for those young players i always just like to um understand or know that they have at least some i'm not saying at 18 know that you want to play for the survivors for sure over um, england but at least let there be some interest you know let you know be a thing of oh this guy is all england and then why the ones that are begging quote unquote you know to move to our side yeah yeah what, what's the what's the current situation with uh izzy from crystal palace so Iberichi, Izzy, i mean as far as i know i mean he's just waiting for to see if he can make the english national team um this international window that we're on he's part of the england under 21 squad if i'm not mistaken you know and he recognizes the fact that he's an under 21 um player for england and that's where he's going to be until hopefully the three liners eventually call call him up you know and it's a thing of i always say to nigerians um we have to just be ready and able to live and deal with it you know when it comes to the foreign-born players, for the most part, we'll be getting the ones that are not good enough to play for their second um, nationality. And we just we just have to be able to accept it and just be ready to to deal with it, you know? So Iberi is a... I mean, I think he's 21, 20, 21 now, or 2021. 20, yeah. So I give him three years. If he makes the two Lions squad within the next three years, then he's done. If he doesn't make the Italian squad in the next three years, he'll come and play for Super Eagles. That's how I look at it. Eventually, I mean, but but if you look at the situation, also let me yeah. use the yeah, because I'm a Chelsea fan, right? So, so let me use the Tammy Abraham Tomori example. When they were hot, they got invited, yeah, by Three Lions, and they went. Now they're not. Now Tomori is on loan in Italy, yeah. right? And um, Tammy Abraham is not being featured. And I read an article today where Tuchel said he should stop thinking about first team, oh. right? So they may not call him once he's no longer featured as the hot thing on Chelsea. And and, and he might actually get loaned oh. if he continues at this rate, you know. So what happens to him now? Three Lions won't call him again. And FIFA rules, because he's already featured for them, he can't play for Nigeria. Yeah. So he's, uh, I guess, his international, his ability to represent the national team hangs in the balance, right? Um, and I think it's, it's really unfair, you know, because let's be honest, a lot of these guys, they grew up abroad. Yeah. They're Nigerian through parentage. But in everything they know, maybe except for a few, yeah like i know it will be you know yeah exactly they, they, yeah. yeah like they some some guys they take them consistently to nigeria um, even like uh, even like an anthony joshua right if you look at him his case was if he actually went to school in nigeria um, he actually tried to box for the nigerian olympic team but they yeah. didn't take him right so those guys are a little different but for someone like there are a lot of other guys out there you know you and i know as well parents don't go to nigeria yeah for the most part if nigeria is brought up what they'll say may not even be positive 
So how do you then get a kid who's grown up in that environment, becomes an adult, and you tell him to go represent a country where, you know, um, the narrative has been nothing works his entire life? You know what I mean? Yeah, and, you know, you hit the nail on the head there because that's literally what I always tell people. It's just about how how Nigerian, quote-unquote, the person actually feels. Like, and it will be. You, you don't have to, like... If you follow him on social media and you see the way he talks, see the way he jokes around, nobody needs to tell you that it will be a Niger boy. Like mm -hmm. if you're on the streets of London, you will still say, "Oh, this is a Niger." Yeah, yeah, Niger, yeah. You know. But then <clears throat> I was born in South London, and all you know, growing up, maybe his parents were not even big football fans, so they didn't even really watch Super Eagles like that at home or anything like that. When he's in school, all he's heard his life is three lions, three lions. He's grown up his entire life dreaming of playing for the Pre Lions because that's all he he knew, you know? And then maybe he got into the youth level, played on the 17th for England, played on the 19th, played on the 21s. And then now that he's 22, you say, oh, your dad is Nigerian, so come play for Nigeria. You know, I always tell people, it's like, I'll be honest, if you even me, like, if, <laughs> like, very, I mean, it's not like, everybody would have to think, have to think of really, really, you know, deeply, like, is this, because at the end of the day, if you just take away the fact um, that is a thing of like patriotism, if you take away that patriotic aspect, this is a big aspect, you know, I have to admit, but if you take away that aspect and you now knock it down to like the business implications of actually representing England versus representing Nigeria or the benefits, the pros versus the cons, you know, it's hard to make a case for. It, for, it is. For it Nigeria, is. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, my, my, my point on this thing has always been this. Um, I grew up in an era watching Super Eagles yeah. where, look, playing for that green, white, green, the guys who represented it gave everything for it, oh. right? That, those are the guys I grew up watching, you know, the uh, Odebamis and, and those guys, those guys, Humphrey Adebos, Moses, those guys played you know, blood, sweat, and tears for the national team. So, and then I saw the golden generation, of course, 1994, those guys. So you, you see that, and then you now start seeing this case of, okay, and if you look at those teams, majority of the guys that played on those teams, born, bred, trained, developed Imagine. in Nigeria. Yeah. There were a few guys that you always heard about, like the John Fasha News and those guys, but they never really came back to play. It was towards the World Cup that you saw Efani Koku um, come and represent Nigeria. But for the most part, that's what you saw, right? So today, when I look at this situation, there are two things that come to mind. One, is this kid going to give 120%? When you travel to Sudan, it's 40 degrees Fahrenheit, freaking hot the pitch is bad things are tough is that kid going to be able to say look i'm fighting for something that i truly respect here and i'm going to try and win this game for nigeria i don't know the answer to that question but i think that's the question that before you just start bringing them say oh yeah this guy is doing great in holland let's bring him in you know slow down <laughs> you know, if they go play Liberia somewhere and some reckless defender just slight tackles him bad, you know, is he going to say, man, look, I don't know about this anymore? No, you, know, you, you know what I mean? African yeah, soccer is I different. Know what you mean. And, and I was just going to say, like, 
that question that you just asked, you know, is is honestly is a really, really big question. I mean, I'm someone that I'm I, I always say get the best players that you can get to the squad. So I'm all for foreign players coming into the squad, as many as we can get. If it's good enough genuinely to be part of the team, then why not, you know? As, but then, you know, that question is always there. When it gets tough, when it gets rough, when it gets really bad, you know, when things are not easy, does that person have the same passion as someone that grew up on the streets of, say, Surulere, that actively, you know, used to go to the stadium to watch um, all these men play back in the day, that grew up just wanting, dying to play for Nigeria, you know, as opposed to someone that, oh, when he was young, he was playing for England at the youth level or playing for Holland or playing for Belgium, whatever the case may be, you know, and then at 25, you now bring him to the Super Eagles. Does he have that same passion, that same determination? But then what I would say is that at the end of the day, um, a professional has a job to do, you know. So then if a player comes to that level and he cannot give as much as he's um, needed to give, then, I mean, it comes down to the management of the team to see if, you know, this is a player they want to be part of the squad continually or not. I mean, if I would say, like, there are some people that maybe people feel like um, they don't have the connection that they, they should have to the national team or anything, you know, but then at the end of the day, they still produce when they're supposed to produce. Um, I'll give an example of like a Victor Moses. Till today, people complain, ah, Moses, why did he retire so early from Nigeria? I mean, he still he was 28 or so when he, you know, retired from the national team, you know, and they're like, ah, maybe he didn't really care about Nigeria like that, you know, things like that. But then I always say, but look at Moses when he was playing for, when he was playing for us, you know, I don't think you would ever watch Moses play and feel like, oh, man, this guy is not really, is not really trying or this guy is not really into it because you know uk boy or anything like that or and it will be as well it will be it's always funny with it will be because it will be can be in a terrible run of form for everton and then you'll come and play for super eagles and if there's anybody on the field that will score a goal it'll be alex that will, that no will but you know it, it will be his case is different there's lineage there i agree i agree you know what i mean yeah it will I mean, be it, it will be comes from a pedigree of arguably him. one of the greatest Nigerian players ever. Yeah. Right? Okota is a god in Nigeria. So Iwobi comes from that cloth. So he, he has a pedigree he's come from. He has certain expectations and a mentality that he's come from. His case is totally different. You know, but what I would what I would say is what I would just say is that mm. I don't, that's not necessarily a guarantee. I mean, look at the president of Liberia. I mean, I know it's one place for the USA. I, I mean, and, and I mean, I'm calling him president of Liberia, but I mean, he was one of the best, you know. He was, he, he was the man. He was the man, yeah. Back, you know, so, and look at his son now, you know. I mean, his son is high profile just simply because of who his dad um, is or was, you know, and yeah. he's currently playing for the USA. So at the end of the day, even though they might have it in their blood, they might have it, you know, in their in the lineage, as you, as you mentioned, it's not everybody that wants to play for the national team. And for me, at the end of the day, even if somebody did not want to play for the national team at some point, and then they eventually change their mind and say they want to play, it's about what they give when they're on the when yeah, they're on, on the field. Because yeah. the point is, there can be a guy born and raised in Nigeria, and he will go on the field and he will not really try. He will not really give his hundred percent. I mean, there are still some Nigerian players that fans still criticize that maybe this guy doesn't try hard enough or he doesn't know he's sluggish or, you know, here and there. So really, it's just about what the person 
what the person gives. As long as the person carries the flag proudly and the person gives 100% on the field, I'm all in support, you know, get the best talents, man, let's win. I agree. I, I agree with that hundred uh, percent. I think with you, I saw a special documentary about Iwobi. Um, I think a couple of years ago, like two, three years ago, and he talked about how he, I guess, idolized Okocha all through youth level, all through growing up before he ever kicked the ball for Arsenal. Wow. Right? Like he would always his uncle, his uncle, his uncle, everything. And Okocha was always that guy, especially when he was playing in England. Always that guy that would give him advice, say, here's what you need to do. So with, with that kind of, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's almost like he raised him in football. In football, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he immediately, I'm sure before he even became the player he is today, would look and say, yeah, super eagles, 100%. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean um, you can tell that like in their house, they would have been watching the game. Yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, it definitely, and I've spoken to the different people that, have um, even some members of his extended family or people that knew him when he was a young boy, you know, things like that. And if there's one thing that I've always said is that Iwobi was always going to play for Nigeria. People tell me that all the time. So, yeah, yeah I know, you know, it's a special case for sure. Yeah, he is. And he's a fantastic player. I love the way he plays okay. his dedication, even for Everton, just the way he, the guy is always 100%. You get that out of him and um, him and Indidi are some of my favorites on our team. Um, so, I mean, the second point for me is, you know, we're a nation of 200 million, 70% under the age of 30, huge youth population. Yeah. What does that say about us? That we have the largest youth population in all of Africa. We're a football-mad country. Yet, right? Yet, we are, well, given our current, our current coach, is constantly even it's happening in the U20s now. Is constantly looking for uh, foreign-born Nigerians. Yeah. Um, what does that say about our level of development and our commitment to creating um, the type of players that can compete at the highest level? Mm. I mean, I love that question because it's a topic that I've touched on so many times. In my opinion, what it just simply shows. I don't think it says. It shows us. You know, it's not. It's not an opinion, I think it's a fact, um, that we do little to nothing in trying to develop our own talent in Nigeria. I mm -hmm. mean, strong words I'm using now, but I, I don't think Nigeria creates talent, um, football talent. And yeah, I'm even including those that were born and raised, all the OCMs, all the Indidis. I, I mean, somebody, when this comes out, somebody should correct me, and I'm always, you know, willing to accept my wrong. But I don't, I don't know how the developments that an Indidi got in Nigeria or an Osime got in Nigeria, let them to become the player that, you know, they they are today. In my opinion, these guys have got given talent. And then, of course, I mean, I'm not taking any, away anything from the coaches that actually trained them when they were in Nigeria. Those coaches did what those coaches impacted knowledge in them. But then what I look at is that at the end of the day, when these guys still went abroad, they still had to catch up. They still had to get to the level of their age mates, you know, at that. The way we look at Osime as a generational talent out of Nigeria, at his age, 19, 20, in England, in Spain, in all those other countries, even in, I'm not even going that far, even in all them, Egypt, all those other countries, you know, the people that they consider to be generational talents at those ages, they would have done more 
than what Osime had done at that age that he was. Osime, what really, and again, what really broke Osime into limelight was his excellent performances at the Under-17 World Cup, you know, and that's a big stage to show yourself. But then imagine if he didn't go for that World Cup. Imagine if he didn't score those 10 goals that he scored. Would Osime become the Osime that we know today? You know, it's things like that that I, that I just always look at. Um, if you look at other countries, you know, they have a very good system that like a young boy, a young girl can grow up, you know, and can know that, okay, if I work hard, if I'm talented enough, and I follow this set path, you know, then there's a very good chance that I make it pro. In Nigeria, there's no path, you know, there's no pathway that you want to say like, okay, if I have the talent, you might have the talent and you would not make it, you know, you might have the club, I don't have the talent, you will not make it. You know, there's so many different things that in Nigeria honestly just have to work all together in your in your favor. For example, um Osime has said this. I think when I spoke with him on live, he said it on Instagram Live, and a few other people have said it. When he went for on a 17 tryout um to make the Nigeria team, he nearly didn't make the squad. Why? Because the coach has to see like two thousand kids on that day, and each team they divided they just divided them into sets you know how we play ball in nigeria mm, you know? yeah. each set had about 10 minutes to play so basically each kid had 10 minutes to show that you deserve to make the national team you know and apparently osime set was one of the last sets that were scheduled to play so by the time he was on the field man coach was tired coach has watched like one thousand five boys already today you know in his mind okay i've seen who i who are like let's just finish these people and in 10 minutes osime scored three goals coach did not see any of it but luckily one of the assistants you know in the squad not even understand coach like maybe the team coordinator or somebody was watching like you know it's maybe big field they split the field into six different pitches for him to play you know so was watching osime's particular game and when yeah was compiling the list it was that guy that I said, coach this guy that just scored three goals inside just this small 10 minutes like are we not going to include him and coach was like oh really you know and that's how this thing and then obviously they watched him again and again you know but then the reality is that that his first opportunity could easily have been missed out on another thing is that if you look at the super ego squad today you know let's ignore the foreign born players you look at the mm -hmm. whole you know the homegrown players the ones that are born and raised in nigeria yeah any of them now they they did not look this good when they were in nigeria in fact many of them now did not represent nigeria at the youth level if you check our current squad many of the players did not represent nigeria at the youth level even the ones that were born in nigeria because there is simply no proper system that identifies talent in 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 nigeria look at like a zedu sanusi for example in my opinion, is by far our best left back. Two years yeah. ago, no one knew this guy. Yeah, no one knew who he was. No one knew who he was. His agents found him somehow, found him a deal <laughs> to go abroad. In one year, this guy finds his way to Portugal, plays for Santa Clara, does really well. The next thing, he gets signed by FC Porto. And wow, everybody now, Zedi Sanusi, you know, he's everywhere. If there was a clear system, like other countries, Zedu Sanusi would have been spotted in Nigeria. Somebody mm -hmm. would have said that this guy, because for how good he is now, you can't tell me that he was rubbish in Nigeria. Come on, the guy must have been, must have been good. You know, it's the same thing. Even an Indidi, 
Indidi does not have much memory at any youth level for Nigeria, if any at all. You know, things like that. So it just shows that the system is really not there, you know, just because what people have always known from time. And I always tell um, agents when I talk to them, that in my opinion, is lazy marketing. Because what these agents have always known is that get your boy to go for under 17. If your boy should do well at under 17, you know, somebody will will sign him, you know, like that's just almost like a given. You go do well on that world stage, somebody would want to, at least there'll be interest from somebody, you know. And as opposed to actually putting them within systems in Nigeria, within these things in Nigeria that can actually help them to be spotted and, you know, they don't even have to play on a 17 World Cup, you know. So I've, I know I've been rambling, but I just don't believe that we have any real developmental system in Nigeria. No, I think you're spot on. You're not rambling by any means. Yeah. Um, I 100% agree with you. I've had conversations with um, a couple of people. I had Nasiri Jibril here, who's um, one of the technical guys for NFF on the show we, we discussed some of this at length and um and you're right you know the 36 states 776 local government areas the fundamental question that any nff president should be answering is how do i ensure that there's full development for every single one of these local government areas that's the question and if you fully can't answer that question then you don't deserve to be president uh -huh. Seriously, because if you have that kind of youth population, 70% of the population is under 30. Football is the premier sport. Any state you go to, find any little open space, you'll find kids playing ball with some things that don't even look like balls, right? But so if you become president of the federation, your responsibility at that point is beyond just trying to ensure Super Eagles win games and qualify for AFCON and make the World Cup so you could get your stipend from FIFA. No, it's, it's at that point, it's something larger. It's, you know, especially when you look at some of the things happening now, it's something larger. It's at a point where you have a greater responsibility to make sure all these local governments have some semblance of a footballing activity. So for instance, if you had, if you had a framework that had youth leagues in every state organized by the state FA, you had established youth teams and those teams played each other consistently year round. Yeah. U17, right? And then from those leagues, certain positions and certain players will be highlighted based on, you know, what they've done at that league. Now that becomes the lower level that you play at to excel, which then puts you at a higher level. So for instance, um, like, like I'm from Delta State. In Delta State, if you have, we have 25 local government areas. If all those 25 are competing year round and you know you have the best 11 from that state selected based yeah. on performance in the state each representing the local government area yeah. what you've done is you've ensured that every local government area kids in that area have opportunity to represent their team to compete yeah. those best players then best 11 from that state, best 11 from the next state, all get invited to come if you have U17 trials. Yeah. And, and then they get to, at that point, it's not a crap show where you have 2,000 players. No. See, that, but definitely, like, I when, see, the way you've said it here, I've said it, like, almost the same way many times. And other people too have said it. And I always say, like, sometimes it sounds so trivial, 
But then you now wonder why is nobody thinking like this? Why is nobody trying to do these things? And one of the things that I feel like is the, one of the major problems that we have in our Nigerian football is the fact that we don't have football people in football administra administration positions. You know, when you have a guy that was put there simply because maybe it's the governor's guy, you know, they've you know they've known each other for some years or things like that. I mean, I mean. Yeah. And this is just the reality. I, I, I've had many conversations with many different people about things like this. I mean, even I was saying this now, but even my father, like, um, he used to be a chairman of a football club, a lower division football club in, in Nigeria. And, you know, he's told me about times where he's been in meetings and he's trying to give his two cents you know, just on what he thinks should happen, you know, to benefit the team. And people are trying to shut him down and say, ah, no, I was former um, minister of some, some, something, or I was something sports commissioner. And he looks at the person's CV and it's like, the only um, qualification you have is that you're a soldier. How do you manage to become the head of any football <laughs> organization anywhere? And it's only because of that this guy, ah, sergeant. And he's like, you know what, okay, this guy has been loyal to us, you know, for some years. Let's give him somewhere that at least he'll be making some money, you know, he'll be able to take care of his family. And that guy doesn't care about football in the first bit, you know. He's only like, okay, I have appointment too. When anything comes, he'll give you the bare minimum that he needs to give in terms of the football aspect of things, you know. And his own is, he'll just be there. I mean, feel like as long as I'm doing the bare minimum, nobody can criticize me. And that's what happens at several levels of our, of our football, even at the highest level when it comes to the NFF. I mean, it's no secret that I'm not the biggest fan of Amadou Penic. I don't particularly dislike him. I just don't like him. And well, you know, he's about to become a FIFA exec member, right? Become a FIFA exec. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, I mean, I always tell people, it's like, I don't know if it's just because I'm a PR person, you know, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe it's, it's easier for me to spot all these things. But the man is a very, I'm not here. If there's one thing I, I want to learn from him, he knows how to sell himself and he knows how to sell dreams to Nigerians. I mean, look at how this whole FIFA exec thing has convinced Nigerians that it's for Nigerians' benefit and not for himself. Like, is is interesting how you can push narratives, and that's what Amadou Penic has done really, really well. And he has pushed incredible narratives about himself. You know, um, in the midst of all the allegations and all the things that came up about him, I don't know whether or not those things were true. But the man has actually still been able to create an impression that people still like him. People still think like, oh yeah, this guy is doing a fantastic job. But then when you really break it down and you talk to him, it's not like I spoke to him personally, but over interviews, things like that. All he ever really talks about is the super egos. That's it. Never That's it. really this thing is the super egos. And I tell people sometimes it's almost as if in his mind, okay, super egos are doing well. That means Nigerian football is he's doing well. He's doing well. Well, huh? well you know, thing thing with Amadou is, um, you know, I, I've I've watched his rise. I remember when he was a uh, chairman for Warrior Wolves. Uh -huh. You know, he went to. You know, you know, I'm a Delta boy. He went to um, Hussey College in Worry. He used to be chairman for Worry Wolves, and then he became Delta State Football FA chairman, and then he ran for office. Um, you're right. He's very charismatic. He knows how to talk. You know, he's a Worry guy. You know, but at the same time, I think you know the people that interview him don't ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. I saw an interview he did on Arise News. Um, when he was pushing for this FIFA executive committee thing. And, and they were asking him, oh, you know, asking him about coach's salary, 
And he said, oh, no, you know, he totally denied. He said they haven't had any salary issues. And I was laughing because I was like, that's not true. But then he, you know, they, then they asked him about um, Super Eagles and the pitches, and he talked about some other things. And I just sat back and I was like, the people interviewing him, it wasn't me, it wasn't you. They don't know the fundamental questions to challenge him on. So if they don't know, if they don't even know how NFF gets its funding, how could you possibly challenge him on how football is supposed to be run? You're not going to ask the right questions. And if you don't ask the right questions, he can, you know, swivel yeah, his way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so oh, yeah. even the players, if you think about it, right, there's a business of football and there's playing football. And those are two very different things. A player might be playing football for Nigeria, but might not might not understand the business of football, which is totally different. There's a business behind how NFF makes its money, how it disburses its money, how it operates, how it funds football in Nigeria. Yeah. Those are the questions that he should be questioned on. Why? What's what's the current status with our sponsorship? Is Pamodzi still in charge of running our sponsorship, or is this something that is now handled in house? If it's handled in house, do we have a department that takes care of that? How come we don't know how much is coming in from the Guinnesses and the Coca-Colas and, and what's happening with that? You know, how much does the state FA get? How, how do they disperse? There is nothing. And keep in mind, this is a FIFA organization. NFF is not a Nigerian entity. Yeah. It's yeah. under FIFA. It's reportable to FIFA, right? So this isn't a function of a Nigerian thing. People can say, oh, there's corruption in Nigeria. Well, no, this isn't a Nigerian organization. Government can't tell NFF what to do. Well, they, sh they shouldn't be able to. Because, be able to. Yeah. Correct. Because it, especially, I'll give you an example. In the US, US Soccer Federation makes all its money. Like it's an independent organization. Yeah. They make all their money. So they call their shots. Period. Anything related to football in that country, they decide what happens. Yeah. And that's what should be happening with the NFF. But it's not happening. And if you were to tie that back to the fact that there's a fall through in development of players, and then you look at the coaches, right? A player can only be as good as the people teaching him how to play the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you look at the coaches and then you look at their development and what, what are the minimum standards that they have to achieve? What kind of training are they receiving on an annual basis? You know, if a kid grows up in Sokoto, what are the chances? And he's a very fast, aggressive, highly physically gifted young man. What kind of coaches is he going to get that will take him from that level and turn him into this broadcast player? Like, he already has things you can't teach. He's fast, he's strong, he's agile. Okay, now you have to be able to teach him the game and he can become like a Cristiano Ronaldo. But because the ball is dropped at that point, no one teaches him anything. You end up just having a guy that may, may, may just be very fast and can do cutbacks on the ball, but that's it. You know, you I, never... I, I sorry to cut you, I just wanted to say I love uh -huh. the point you just made about coaches because that is something that, like, I, I have told people about. I feel like it's one of the big problems that we have as well in Nigeria. Is is um, should I say it's a catch 22? It's a situation whereby a lot of um, the kids that play football in Nigeria on the streets at the grassroots level are kids that are um just to be blunt are uh, born like into like poor homes you know these are kids that are are struggling their families are struggling to make ends meet so when there's a guy on their streets 
that comes and you know what okay let's gather these boys i'm coach sebastian you know and i'm going to be coaching you guys every friday and you know sunday for example okay we'll be training on this pitch that is in our area you know come here every this thing for a lot of these boys is giving them something to do it's taking them off the streets you know it's writing, mm-hmm. like, writing a co- um, co-curricular activity for them to do a track curricular activity for them to do you know so i like that but then at the same time when sebastian because he watches man you play against barcelona or man you play every week in his house feels like oh yeah that means i mean i know ball now i mean i they watch my you know they watch my league so i know ball so i can actually go and coach these kids when that's yeah. all it takes for this guy and he will fully call himself coach a coach yeah 100 once he can maybe get 20 30 boys in his area he can easily say you know what ego striker academy you know and he'll call it an academy and people will go off of that but then when you look into it you realize that these boys are not getting any kind of training that will help them to reach anywhere you know and that's part of our problems and at the same time it comes down to our whole structure of football if there was a coach in nigeria today or a young guy that wanted to be a coach or young lady you know does she or does he um can he easily get you know the right tools to guide him towards his you know coaching objective can he easily find the right pathways you know can he find mentors can she find mentors you know things like that i i don't know if you know this but myself i'm i coach i mean i coach casually part-time i'm not like a full-time coach or anything but i remember um when i was and this all happened when i started literally i started coaching maybe about a week before i started the ghost tracker you know and the amount of training that i had to go through to be able to coach these 12 year old boys that still want to play hockey like they are not even fully convinced that they want to play um, football that they are still they still want to play hockey but i know like it was so much it was so time consuming it was so expensive because my club had to cover about 70 percent of my club because i simply just couldn't afford it you know right. and i just look at it that this is to coach these kids that like honestly you like i some kids used to miss match day because they had a hockey game on the same day so sorry coach i had to go things things like that uh... really committed and i had to go through all of that to be able to coach them you know and then you look at it like there's a there's a reason why they're getting better education and i mean canada a country that they're only just starting to care about developing football players and football players yeah. like that and the kids that I coach, it's not like I mean I I wouldn't say I have the best kids in the country or anything like that. It's not a professional academy, but there's some of these kids that I look at and I'm like, this guy is 12, this guy is 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 11. Oh my god, like what a talent! You know, like you can only imagine as long as I'm getting this kind of training, you know, every week for the next four or five. When this guy is 18, nine, you know, you can only imagine what kind of player they would they would be and this is someone that like that's really, i keep stressing this thing that doesn't really care too much about football like that so then yeah. when we go back to a nigeria that oh these kids you know like literally they are hanging on to like this very very slim chance that maybe i will go abroad and play ball abroad that's the slim chance that these kids are hanging on to you know and then they unfortunately just simply because of where they are cannot get 
any kind of decent level of training or different um, decent level of education in football then it's just rather as, as, i mean it's unfortunate you know and that's why i said earlier that it's kind of like a catch-22 because do i want to tell that young man that is taking the point himself to remove 20 kids from the streets and actually find something for them to be doing do i want to tell him to stop no but yeah. at the same time do i want there to be 100 people like that that are the main you know um should i say main coaches in nigerian grassroots football not really you know you don't want that to be the standard of um training that our kids are are getting so it's just a really tough situation you know and i mean obviously i cannot ignore the fact that we have i mean a lot of private academies you know that are more organized than than that you know but even with all of these private academies you know it still comes down to how much are they actually trying to develop players um i've spoken to some admins of these academies you know and some people that work with these academies and a lot of the time instead of trying to develop say i don't want to disrespect anybody but instead of trying to develop say 10 average players yeah they are trying to not develop they're trying to find one amazing player you know you are hoping that okay within this my pool of boys though I will just find the next Victor Osime. You know, that God just dropped this diamond into my bag and I'll find him there. Rather than saying, you know what, if we actually put all the resources in place, hire the right staff, get the right um, facilities, everything, and we do this thing properly, that in the next five years, even if we don't get anybody that's as big as Victor Osime, maybe we can get 10 that are just below that level, you know? And eventually, it still generates more revenue for the club. It generates more media hype, more interest, more everything. Because by the time people know that ah, ten of these boys, oh, now for me, I can't wait and come out. Everybody wants to come to that academy. You know, that's what I mean. You look at the like Nat boys, for example. They go off of the head of the ones that developed in Didi. You know, or Diamond Academy. As long as Chukwe, people, Chukwe, yeah. You know, everybody people will still be looking at them and be saying how oh, these guys can develop players so it's things like that but it's like imagine if um diamond had let's say four chukwezes or even two chukwezes and two other players and others you know not in Villarreal, but are also you know good on that level they would have more to stand on so i just feel like it's a whole mentality shift that needs to happen you know the whole nigerian football structure people actively have to want to develop players and you know there's something that they always say I, I can't remember where i heard this only like a week or less ago you know where somebody was saying like at the grassroots level if you are all 100 about profits then you cannot really develop players and if you are all about developing players then you cannot really make profits like sorry you cannot really make profits like you would you would love to you know so it's a really really crazy dilemma and until we get to a point where maybe our professional clubs are now developing players at grassroots level you know with academies and things like that you know then it will keep being this thing where some private owners that have some money say okay you know what if i invest this i don't know 50 million naira you know and get all these kids together and every year, God help us, we can sell one, one or two, two players for 100, 100,000 pounds or, you know, something like that. So them, that's, that's, that's fine. You know, like they're not bothered too much. 
as long as okay they're seeing some profit on their investment yeah okay cool you know they're not they're not into it to make talent you know they're into it for the for the profit and that's just what causes the issue in nigeria i think yeah you know i think i think you made a lot of really valid points the one thing i would i would say and add to that is just the <clears throat> like you mentioned the argument of if you make it about profits you use whatever you can get talent if you make it about developing talent you, here's the thing if you have a system you create a framework with a very good system right and then you get the, the players that are talented in all right at the ages of between 10 and 13 i guess you're going to develop world-class players in a place like nigeria and i say that for a couple of reasons one the weather is warm year-round there's no winter so there's there isn't a period where you have winter breaks yeah. two you know um you have a lot of very gifted athletes right you if you have a, in any sport if you get a, a particular athlete that has things you can't teach you know size strength speed agility just ability you know explosiveness you can't teach yeah. that and then you just develop it so i think i've i personally have run camps in nigeria and i've seen that so the, the, the question then becomes look if you create a good system and you you focus on those little things fundamentals you build their fundamentals you get them developed in a sport like football and soccer it's only a matter of time you will end up having guys that can play at any level it, it's just be a matter of time but the problem like you mentioned is <clears throat> the focus then becomes oh i'm looking for this one guy that we could then flip and get some money yeah and as you keep doing that anyone that shows a little bit of spark you know you immediately jump on that guy and you won't take him but you don't sweat the fundamentals if you look at i always look at um i do this thing where i look at development of sport in some countries you know i look at the cubans um specifically for boxing uh, and baseball i look at some more like what the russians do in some other sports like wrestling i look at i just watch different guys the dutch in football um germans you look at it when you watch it one thing you will notice is for their youth players they're going to be fundamentally sound. <laughs> they might not be fast, right? They might not be very skillful, like South American, African players where they could dribble a bunch of people. But fundamentally, they'll be very sound. So that tells you something, right? That tells you, look, if you create this kind of guy, the ones that excel, the ones we see that end up becoming these studs like a Lewandowski and those guys, they now have some of the athletic ability you see what I'm saying? Tied to what they've taught him. Like Lewandowski, I don't care what you say. You give him a certain type of ball, if he strikes it, it's going into the net. He's not going to miss. Look at Harry Kane. Mm. Not the fastest. There's nothing. I, I see Harry Kane as straight up and down. I don't see any special effects with him. Well, yeah, he doesn't have anything too special about him. Nothing. He can do the, 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 the fundamental things. Fundamentals? Well. He knows how to make runs. He knows where to be. And if you give him space, he'll bury it. Finish. Yeah. That's yeah, it. That's it. That's my point, right? So you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if you if these guys just focus, but it's unfortunate, but because like you said, you can't teach what you don't know. If the coaches don't know, 
they can impart that knowledge to the players. Okay. So my biggest gripe with Pinnick, you know, has always been, and all you Pinnick haters out there, if you don't like what I'm saying, you're w- welcome to come on and, and debate me. But my biggest gripe with Pinnick has always been he dropped the ball when he came down to the development question. Oh, you know that? Yeah. He dropped the ball when he came down to the development question because, dude, country like that, you can't you can't afford to not um, boost that level. So, anyways, so I think coming back to what you you guys do, um, you had mentioned that the youth level you have thousands. How do you how do you identify and track the guys that you do track? Do you like scour newspaper articles all across the globe? Do you, I mean, it has to be a lot, but how, how do you do it? It's definitely a lot. Like, I, honestly, like, I, I've lost count at this point. I, I have, we have a, um, a document that we've been building because we have some other plans that we're trying to do, you know, just to really help players and people keep um, in touch with Nigerian football. But I remember when I started, literally, because I said it started with just me, okay, the ones that I already know, Indidi, Wobi, Gallo, you know, all those guys. And from there, you know, People just pop up every day. And then until today, I still get a minimum of one message from somebody. Oh, hey, there's this guy that plays in somewhere, 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 somewhere. Ah, he's a Nigerian. Oh, talk about him, you know? Or even sometimes, like earlier, that's what was happening a lot. Like every week, two new players just reach out. Oh, hey, my name is, you know, something, something. I play in Latvia. I play in. Like, I'll be honest with you, <laughs> until 2019, I had never one day heard of checked read or watched latvian league in my life <laughs> but then no honestly but then you know i started this ego striker thing and after some time i had players like, oh hey i play in latvia hey i play in latvia next thing i realized like they're like 20 nigerians or 25 that are in latvia you know and each one of them is reaching out like oh hey i'm here i'm here when the guy sees that ah, he posted my teammate or he posted the guy that i played against today you know you're gonna ask that guy, ah, who is this person? Ah, is this people or this one's on that one to reach out? Oh, hey, I play this, you know. So from there, it started from about 50 players, and now we already track over 350 players. And these are the players that we choose to actively, you know, follow um, you know, week to week. There's still a bunch of players that are eligible to play for Nigeria, but we just don't really, you know, spend our time on at this, at this, at this point. So it's, it's really it's really not that easy, you know. It's not, in fact, it's hard. I'll be honest, you know. It's it's very time consuming, you know, and it's just very mentally challenging to try to keep up with all these guys. You know, I miss still trying to have a life and trying to do all the things that I'm supposed to be doing in my you know in my day to day, you know. But it's it's been good, you know. Um, we've been growing our list of players, you know. So now it has become easier, and of course, it was in the beginning to keep up with with all of them, you know, and when a new person just was on our radar, we just go and add him to a database that we've been building, you know, add the player's information there, you know, but at the same time, um, I have to say, you know, I, I always ask a lot of the players for help. And I just look at it like, it's a matter of how much you care about what we're doing. I mean, the reality of it is that until we go to the size of maybe an ESPN or a Sky or whatever like that, you know, we don't have a hundred staff that are every day, you know, looking for information and things like that. So I always explain to a lot of these players that, you know, you have to help us put your information out there. You know, um, for example, some players, 
and just because we try not to only focus on the top level players so some players they play for clubs that your club doesn't have a social media account you know things like that and you want us to you know stay involved and stay updated on everything that you do when your club doesn't have social media you know so really for that kind of player the only way i can get i can know what happens in your life is if you tell me you know because i'm, I'm not physically there i don't have stuff that i'm sending to you know watch your every game or things like that so those kind of players you know i have a bunch of them that they play a match they'll send a dm oh hey i played 15 minutes today i scored a goal or i did you know just nothing i just you know those kind of thing and that helps um some players don't like to do that and frankly i i don't like i mean i always just tell them if you can't do that you know then <laughs> there's not too much do you, do you um do you yeah. use transfer transfer market so yeah we use um i'll say two of the best tools that i use are transfer market and fortmob um fortmob okay. is is like kind of like a live score app you know they yeah. have, they have so many different leagues so many different players you know so it helps to stay updated at least to a very good extent and it's just you know also checking social media because that's where most of the things happen to be you know so just always checking their club social media checking their league social media and things like that yeah you, you know i'm um i'm also i'm a i'm, I'm an asian licensed under u.s federation there's uh there's also something called soccerassociation.com yeah i don't know if you ever used it yes it actually gives you a breakdown of players and it gives you a number of minutes played for each game for the player um i know there were a couple of and, and it's pretty good it might require an account setup and um yeah. and then those sort of things are really good so by the way they're not paying me guys this is just something i know works. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's really good there's a guy uh chukuno so are you familiar with him please psv yeah I was tracking him and so I went on there to see he's a very good player. Mm. Um but, Sorry, but yeah, that's someone like um that guy now, for example, he's a perfect example of we know him, but we don't update on his matches. Because doesn't he doesn't play for Nigeria. Yeah, yeah, I mean he's not really said anything about what to play for Nigeria, you know. So yeah, for me, yeah. you know, oh yeah, we know you, you know, we see you, we'll keep you know one eye on you and know and just you know <laughs> so that yeah. all of a sudden you are interested in us, we have enough information to give our audience about you you know it's not like oh we've never heard about this guy but until then we'll just be you know keeping our, our distance you know that's the way it is so yeah and it's, it's interesting because um during lockdown you know was when i got to speak with a lot of um players you know because everybody had time i guess you know and there, there's a, i would actually see like there's a lot more foreign born players that mm -hmm. want to represent nigeria than you would imagine like i mean like like the wobi type that like they've only wanted to represent nigeria there's actually a lot more than you would imagine because i know during that period it was surprising to me as well because i wasn't expecting that much attention you know uh pro um, progress to have been made at that point but so many people used to reach out oh hey i'm born in london you know to nigerian parents and i would just love to come on your platform you know just for the fans to see me and even know who i am you know some of these people, even when we post them on our page, some comments will still be saying, ah, this you will just be forcing everybody to play for mm. us. But then when I message that player privately, the guy's like, no, like, I'm Niger, like, through and through, like, 
England has I've not thought of England one day in my life. But just because the Nigerian fans will see that guy and just ah, who is this well, we've not heard of your name before. They go and maybe look him up born in London. They just think, well, he's until England same to you. But there are a lot of them like that that want to represent Nigeria. You know, they've only wanted to represent Nigeria, but then because there's just been really no platform or anybody putting them out there, you know, and they are not in Nigeria, so they are not familiar with the Nigerian ways of doing things. So they've just really had no way of like, you know, becoming obvious in the Nigerian space, I would say. So that's something that we're, you know, that we're helping those that are interested, we're helping them with as well. Yeah, listen, I, listening to you, I think you and I, we could do some business, man. We'll talk offline. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm no, always... because because I think you know, like you said, all these guys, and and you know my my agency. That's that's kind of what we deal with. So we'll talk. Though, we'll talk. So let me ask you this: In your experience, youth players of of Nigerian heritage across Europe, what would you estimate that number would be? And then, which country do you think probably has the highest? Uh, estimates, honestly, <laughs> I, I don't. Know. You say okay. You say youth players. So we're only. So, okay, are we talking youth as in age or youth as in not in first team? Youth as in, that's a good question. Um, not, in, not in first team. So not in first team. So mm -hmm. not in first team, honestly, I would say maybe we have across the entire Europe, you know how many countries there are. I would say maybe we have been, um, you know, I'm trying to be as conservative as possible. I, I would say maybe 2,000. Honestly. That's a lot, though. Definitely yeah. a lot. That's a lot. You know, and obviously these are the ones maybe born in France, born in Nigeria, born in one or country or, or the other. And, man, where are they the most? England. 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 Oh, yeah. my, oh my word. England. See, okay, this one, I've not tested it, but I'm saying it with a high level of confidence. If you check the English lower leagues, so forget the Premier League, um, Championship, um, League 1, League 2, Every team or one in two teams has a Nigerian. One in two has a Nigerian. Some have like four or five. Goodness. If, if you come up to the top division, like Arsenal, for example, in the other 23s, they have like seven Nigerians in their in like in their regular match day, like week to week match day squad. There was yeah. You look at the team list of my like is this in um, Arsenal or Nigeria or that or that <laughs> about to play this match, you know? So legit and that's Arsenal. I know Spurs have one or two Nigerians, West Ham have a Nigerian, Chelsea have a Nigerian or multiple Nigerians. Like so literally like across England, you know, and this effect of um those Nigerians that migrated 20 years ago, you know, 21 years ago that were moving to the UK, all their kids now are, are coming up and are the, the right age to be playing ball. So there are so so many of them, man. Like so many. Yeah, yeah. That the, the population of Nigerians in Jan is just ridiculous. Oh man. So so it doesn't surprise me. I heard Holland as well and Germany, but yeah, I, I mean Holland. <clears throat> yeah, Holland. I've been seeing a lot of you know names popping up and there from Holland. You know, I don't know too much about Germany. You know, um, it's just because it's because of the kind of classification that we're looking at. You know. Latvia has a lot of young Nigerians, but then the difference is that the ones that are good that go to Latvia, because Latvia is not that good, so they get into the first teams. In you know, yeah, I mean, don't go to Latvia and play youth team football. No, they they get into the first team in places like Latvia. You know, all those other um, smaller 
countries, you know. But just the number of players in total is is, is amazing. Like it's, and I just think it would. It's it's a good. I mean, it's it's nice to have our players everywhere. But I just think it would be a better thing if we could actually develop our own football back home, and we won't need to have as many players going Please. abroad yeah. to play in like random situations, you know. And that's what that's what is is not really helping us. Like our local league cannot, you know, cannot um, stand up to any um, local league of any country that we even want to to mention in any country that is worth comparing us to. Our league cannot stand, you know, beside beside their own, and that's part of the problem um, for even development of young players. Ideally, young players should, like you were saying earlier, play in your local government, make a name for yourself in your local government, play in your state make a name for yourself in your state, play in your country, make a name for yourself in your country. Then you go abroad and then things, I mean, obviously everybody might not follow that path, but at least, you know, a lot of people should be, should be known in Nigeria before they are going abroad. And the only way to get known in Nigeria is if Nigeria is actually used to watch a Nigerian league, which was something that happened before, but now yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't happen. And even at the youth level, like you were suggesting, if people can package youth programs better there would actually be interest people would watch it you know and another thing of that even for those academies that want to make whatever money they can make from transferring players they would even make more money um Chuko is it for example i think diamond sold him for a hundred thousand um pounds that's it that's it yeah. <laughs> exactly but, but you know what they get they get solidarity though but if, if he does they could have made 500 they could have made a million and i do i mean Somebody might say I'm wrong, but I don't think they had any like future clauses or anything in the in the agreement. So is that one time fee, hundred thousand, and that is it. And um, in the space of I think three years after Chukwueze went to um, Spain, his value had um, increased to I think fifteen million or so within the next three years. So how does a guy go? What's what's that? Hundred um, x in value or what? How many x in value <laughs> within the space of three years is just because people have seen him now before yeah, but you know what you know what let me give you an example yeah. do you get the do you get the c's football observatory report yeah, yeah. yeah okay you know there was, a, there was one i read recently that had uh, a breakdown of the top exporting countries i actually wrote a blog about it but the um nigeria's ranked i think we're in top 10 though but i think the key the crazy thing is this the our South American friends, uh, Argentina and Brazil. Yeah, had a lot more. What, they, what they've started doing, and they started this a couple of years ago, they stopped selling young players. So if you come in and you're like, oh, they'll be like, okay, how much? You to give them a price like, oh, we're not interested. Walk away. They'll turn. They turn down a lot of these European clubs, but they had leverage at home. So if you're you play from Argentina, U17, they call me like, no. He's going to play for Boca Juniors or River Plate. He goes, he plays for Boca Juniors, River Plate, does exceptionally well, even more, plays for their U20, goes back out into the international market. Now they have they have three times the offers that they had initially. And the player gets signed for some tens of millions. Now, you know, Real is coming, knocking on the door, and you have Barca, and you have some German clubs, and they're like, look, okay, fine, 21 mil. And guess what? They pay. They pay. Yo, literally, and um, hey. 
that was in line what I was saying about Chukwueze because I had this conversation with somebody else and the person disagreed with me, you know. And I was saying that one could have made more if only people had just seen more opportunity to watch Chukwueze. Because the reality is that Chukwueze got that move off of his performances at the under seventeen World Cup, and yeah. if you go on to win the tournament, you play two out of seven matches. Nobody is going to watch you play only seven matches and then just say, okay, you know what? I'm going to pay 20 million for this guy or 10 million for this guy. They can know, okay, yeah, this guy has talent. He's put at the talent, but then he still needs to develop. He needs to do this. He needs to do that. But if they had a sample size of, say there was a, a, a proper academy league in Nigeria and, oh man, he has killed it in the academy league, you know, played 40 games there, scored 60 goals or something like that. And then comes this honor, this team World Cup. Even though they might, I mean, they recognize the fact that the Academy League is not a high-level division, but at least there's a larger sample size. They could have sent people down to Nigeria to watch him, or even maybe hired a person within Nigeria. Oh, um, get us a report on this player. Watch this guy. You know, things like that. If Diamond had been doing PR for um, Samuel at that level, at least getting him the visibility that grassroots players need to get within the country and things like that, his name would have been a lot bigger. And at the time that those guys come to sign him, you just have a lot more to leverage on, you know. To leverage, yeah. I'll tell, tell, tell you what they were afraid of. They were afraid of, like you mentioned earlier, the lack of a strong local league at home, that his form would drop. Yeah. Right? Because he may not be getting the level of competition or training. But what they could have done in that situation, if I was advising them, I would have said, listen, this club wants to buy him. I know the cash is tempting. But you have to ask yourself at this point, how much do I trust the talent I have in front of me? If you think you know for certain that this boy will be successful, it might be a gamble. You know how we are in Nigeria. We like the cash up front. But it might be a gamble. But you can say to this club, you know what? We will loan Chukweze to you to come and play for you. And we'll have an agreement that states any transfer or anything associated with his name will be tied to us. And boom. Now, was was um, Villarreal was not the first team he played for when he left, was it? No, Villarreal was. He joined the youth team. Uh, so, yeah. So so that's what he, I, I, I see. And he's been with them ever since. He hasn't yeah, been sold on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they took the money from Villarreal up front. Yeah, and, that's the, and I wonder how much, how many other options they had, because typically, yeah, typically that determines the value, right? If they, yeah, if they had like seven clubs all coming down to try and get him, they could have gone up to close to a mil. But if it was only Villarreal, they could have been under pressure. Yeah, to no, sell I, the boy. I just want to say, you know, there's so many other factors. There's like I was saying, <clears> the factor, there's the poverty factor with, and I'm not saying Chukwueze. Yeah. Well, imagine a player like that, his family has been struggling all his life, and then somebody is willing to put him on a contract of even $10,000 a month, rather, um, a year. That money seems like, wow, $10,000. Like, that's money that the person has never heard of or seen in his in his life. So how do you convince that player that it's not the right thing for him to take? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be the guy standing in the way of that kind of thing. That's yeah, yeah. or her dreams, you know? And at the same time, there's also clubs just looking for their own interest. I um I was it I can't remember what player I spoke to. I think it was Ikoen Utin, um my former Nigerian at 20 captain or thereabouts, you know. Yeah. Uh, I spoke with him on Instagram live. And I don't even think, well, I mean, I don't know the full gist, 
but he told me he's like after the on our 20 World Cup or so that he had interest um some interest from Belgium, you know. But then he didn't move to Belgium, and about six months or a year later, he moved to Israel. And in my mind, you know, I'm thinking like, I mean, you don't even need to know too much about football, you know, that you probably want to go to Belgium ahead of Israel, you know. And then he was now just saying that like, ah, his club, you know, agreed, you know, with the Belgian one, blah blah, but they agreed with the Israeli one, you know. And in my mind, I'm thinking, so is it that? the Israeli team brought more money, you know, what exactly was the issue? And then it's like, wow, but then if the club is really thinking about the players' development, they will know that, I mean, send this guy to Belgium. We know that the Belgian league develops, you know, players. So it's really a, a tricky, tricky thing because at that level, unfortunately, these players don't know what rights they have. They don't know what is best for them, you know, that desperate so they're really just listening to the first guy that shows a little bit of being able to help like um as i am now i cannot say like i really cannot like promise and i cannot see a player today and guarantee him or her that i will get you signed to a club but if i say that to somebody simply because of ego striker the person can literally like drop everything that he has go and borrow all his family's money and say you know what see this guy he has 50 followers on instagram or he said he'll get me a club so he must be able to get me a club and a lot of these players they're in situations like like this you know where they're not really sure who is in charge of them they're not really sure what direction they are going so sometimes their careers just maybe go in some certain directions that might not be best for them. Because this guy, I remember when I watched him at down at 20 World Cup, he was the captain and he was one of the best players on the team, left back. And today he doesn't play for his club in Israel. So that just shows you that something obviously did not go, did not go right, you know. And for me, from the little story that I that I heard from him, it just seemed like making a decision to go to Israel instead of Belgium. Belgium. Yeah, just did not play. Maybe they thought, okay, he could go to Israel, and because of how good he is, he would just, you know, get into the team, and things will, you know, light up for him. But unfortunately, things did not just go like that. So these things, the player at that point probably did not know that he has a say in where he ends up. Probably thinking at ah, this club, whatever the club wants is there. I've spoken to players that will tell me, whatever my agent <laughs> decides, you know, <laughs> whatever my agent says. So for them, um, and also because coming from Nigeria, they have this mentality of the agents is helping them. You know, like this is the guy that took me out of the streets, you know, that got me a club. And I always I always explain to them, yeah, he did that, but he's an is a business deal that he's doing at the end of the day, it's because he knows of how much he can make from you based on your potential and your talent. Yeah, yeah. But for the player, all he or she is thinking is I'm playing ball on the streets. This guy will take me to Europe. Boom. So whatever he's doing for me must be must be good. You know, so this thing really um affects our players in so many different ways. Like, um, so sorry to, but I, I have to round up pretty soon. But with Nigerian football, I just think from uh development all the way to the top level, um, the structure is just really messed up. And the people that are playing, you know, the admin people the agents you know and even the media people as well even though now i'm considered media but even a lot of the media people as well you know don't um set everything up you know 
in the best way for the players to be able to for the players to be able to excel or for the players to be able to advance themselves and these things affect like these things affect players you know just at different stages in their in their careers it can affect somebody at the youth level and it can affect somebody you know at the first team level so it's um i think our football has a lot of work to you know to be done a lot of ways to go but at the same time so when i still look at nigerian football today i, I still feel like i mean i wasn't born in the ninth early 90s so i didn't i didn't live in that era i've heard stories you know i know how great those years were but i feel like this is still one of the best times to be a nigerian footballer you know this is still one of the best uh, times you know just in terms of now even though the media is still not there there's media you know even yeah. though there's all the things are still not set in place but with social media with all these things the smart people the right people you know making the right moves can actually you know get things for themselves and i want to just bring it back to ego striker you know um i give myself some credit for a lot of the things that i see happening and i mean i don't know how much credit is actually deserving but i just like to um give myself credit every now and then for certain things that happen when i see people um being up to date with certain things that are happening in in nigerian football it makes me happy because um one of the things that i wanted was when a list comes out like this super egos afcon list now and people see the 23 or 24 players on the squad i wanted my vision was that people look at the 23 man list and they know every single player on that list they know how the player has been performing and they are knowledgeable enough to be able to make an informed opinion on whether or not that player deserves or doesn't deserve to be a part of the of the team as opposed to years back where uh now be who is this guy where did they get this guy from which club was he play for how many goals has he even scored you know so at least to an extent you know when i even see sometimes people calling for certain players that if i don't think they deserve to be in the team but i'm just like wow yeah fans are actually aware of this guy and how he's doing you know it just gives me a little bit of joy that okay i mean our platform is achieving some of these results that we wanted to achieve you know even one interesting thing that happened this one even this one happened last year 2020 you know a player i don't want to mention who it is but there was a player that i mean almost quote unquote got his first national team club from ego striker we posted about the player you know one 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 day and somebody reached out who is that guy you know how can we get in touch with this guy you know we've been seeing this thing and he's pretty good and from there the next team the guy was invited to be part of the squad you know for in last year and this is off of someone just you know seeing this guy every week on our page and oh, this guy is performing he's performing you know and obviously media everything the hype started to pick up but it's just things like that when i see things like that happening it just makes me smile you know it makes me happy that okay at least we're not where we want to be you know there's ego striker or nigerian football in general but we're getting there you know there's steps in the right direction that are, that are moving and hopefully like you know within the next few years better people come into into these spaces into these you know positions hopefully uh football can can really yield the fruits that like you know the potential that, that it has no i i for one certainly think you guys are have done a lot of good work and you're certainly in the right direction and um you know hey i'm a fan i follow you guys i pay attention to what you're doing and i think you know you should absolutely 100 continue 
and uh, continue pushing. And I only see growth from here. I don't see anything else. Um, I know you have to go. So listen, thanks so much for coming on. It's been fun talking to you. I feel like I can talk to you for another two hours. <laughs> I'm just about football. But uh, look, anytime you have time, if you want to hop in, we'd love to have you back um, to come on and just talk about some more about what you do, maybe current issues or things that pop up on, at a given time. Uh, before you go, that Ninja shirt you get, I like the thing well, well. So where where can <laughs> where can I get it? Because I want to buy one. And uh, and I'll just be able to let everyone else know where they can get it as well. Okay. Um, so firstly, I wanted to just say thank you very much for having me on. You know, this is my first time talking to you. I'm meeting you for the first time here, but I really enjoy yeah. You know, and like you said, that that when I talk to people that know football and understand football, I can just go on and go on and go on and yeah, go. Yeah. But it, it pains me that I have to go now was because I have some work to attend. No, it's okay. It's okay. But yeah. I wish I could honestly <clears throat> just talking because I like football is, is is my life and Nigerian football is even more exciting for me. But yeah, um, in terms of the merch, egostrackermerch.com is our website. We have stuff yeah. like this. Um egostrackermerch.com you can check us um, on social media as well at egostrackermerch but what we're pretty much just trying to do is we're trying to promote nigerian football and nigerian culture slash slash lifestyle through our merchandise so we're trying to promote our footballers as well so we currently have merch for Rashida Tajibade, for Pitala Inka, for John Ogu you know and these things um and it's not just us using their name to sell merch you know it's actually linked to them they make money mm -hmm. from everything that we sell and it ties in our vision of helping to create brands for Nigerian footballers, you know. Um, and then we have other stuff as well that is just, you know, like this Niger or other things with just interesting designs and just promoting Nigerian culture. So, yeah, um, we're trying to grow the merch brand to as big as we can take it to push Nigerian culture to as big as we can take it. And then Nigerian football to the world. So definitely check us out and get something for yourself. I, I'm 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 literally checking you out right now, and I like what I see. Um, and uh, I'm looking at the Samsung phone cases and the Team Nigeria phone cases and the T-shirt I like because it's getting warmer. Um, yeah. And the hoodie, of course, is nice. Yeah. And and you know we're working on uh, a bunch of things. You know, just in terms of. Um, let me just say this, you know, in terms of growth, you know, this is something that makes me happy because it's just part of our growth. Um, we've recently brought on a new fashion director, someone to go and take control of everything with regards to our fashion and our brand, you know, with a new graphic designer as well and illustrator that are going to be coming up with new designs for our brand. So, you know, that is just something that we, I literally just signed and agreed with them like two weeks or so ago, you know. So, yeah. So, you know, we're going to be putting out some more exciting, you know, better stuff, you know, that we're currently working on. And, you know, we're just going to try to keep pushing this thing, you know, to as, as high as we can take it, really. 100%. You know, just keep growing. I think you guys are doing great. Listen, I follow you. I look forward to your posts, to be quite honest, and because and, it's always informative. And I think, you know, there's always, like, I like the merch, you know, this is all part of growth, new logo. You're, you're, you're trying to get better every day, which is fantastic. Um, so... Definitely, I'm gonna cop my own Ninja Ninja T-shirt because <laughs> I saw it on the on the website, and um, and absolutely, I look. I think um, you and I need to schedule some time to talk some more. Um, Definitely, there's some stuff we could do. I like I like what you're doing, here, especially as you start talking about players in Latvia and those sort of things. Yeah. So, absolutely, 
thanks again and um look forward to having you back on the podcast no problem looking forward to getting back on sometime soon <laughs>